Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchofvictoria.com. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you for joining us and, and listening in. If you're listening or watching this on Facebook and YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and, and get the bell on if on, for YouTube so you get notified every time we upload a video. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share this content. It really helps us out. Finally, I just want to encourage you, if you enjoy this ministry, if this ministry has blessed you in any way, or if you'd like to partner with us, go to our website and uh, at, again, churchvictoria.com. We have a donate button there where you can give to this ministry. Um, and I do say give or partner because that's exactly what it is. This ministry is fully funded by Central Church of Christ, but we want to give saints the opportunity to join in and help and uh, bear fruit with us and we've this. had people do that and we have we've had people do this mm-hmm. so um if, if that's you if, if you are interested in getting involved we want to encourage you to do so uh we're going to be in- and let everybody know that if when that money is given to us we're going to do everything in our power to use it to save souls oh absolutely that's what we're going to do absolutely um we're going to be in genesis chapter 25 tonight yep. this is actually a take two <laughs> uh We've, we, had a, uh, we had some technical difficulties. There were some technical difficulties, and so uh, this is this is our second so time through this text. it's not actually evening, it's Monday morning yes. that we're taping this. Yes, so, so, yes, so a little bit different for us. If you notice, I've got some coffee on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're again, we're just so thankful and grateful that you all joined us. Yeah, we us. look a little haggard. Uh, we've, we've been up since, it's, I've been up since four. It's been a little bit. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long morning already, so, but hey, it's good. I'm, 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 this is a new experience recording like this in the morning. So yes, it may be go really well. We don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, you ready? Yeah. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to, to, uh, uh, to do this this morning. We pray your blessings upon us as we, as we study together. We pray, Father, for our audience. We pray that you would uh, touch them in a very special way. I know there's going to be folks that are going to be watching that have struggles. They have chaos in their life. And they, they may need to hear something very unique and very special. I pray, Father, that uh, it, whoever they are, that you'd help us to minister to that need. Uh, help us to, to know what to say at the right time. And then give us the courage and the, and the foresight to say it uh, right when it's necessary and when it's needed. Thank you, Father, for them. Bless us. Help us as we study. Help us to learn and grow. We want to, we want to draw closer to you, Father. We know learning your book is one way to do that. And, uh, and we thank you so much for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, before we get started, brother, let me ask you a question. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the importance of fatherhood, the impacts we have on our children. And so I just, I wanted to ask you in light of the text we're going to be looking at this morning, you know, what are some of the bad habits that you've taught your children? Well, this is different than the other day. Because I didn't have my son sitting in the other room, <laughs> you know, this today, the, the other day. But... Uh, you know, I think it's the same. I think I think any parent, um, I think when you when you're early on and you have children, I think there's a lot of things you do wrong, and a lot of things that you look at as they get older in life, and and you see the things that they're doing, and you know you can blame yourself. You know, you say, well, I, it was this was my fault. I did this. I taught them this. You know, I, when Mark, who's in the other room, and Ann, who you know who d- didn't know me, you know, I was a pig. I mean, I, I there was everybody that knows me knows uh, you know for. For the first seven, eight years of Mark's life, I mean, he only knew me as somebody in the world, doing drugs, drinking all the time, just a real pig, treating my wife like garbage, and uh, and 
and I and and I know that he picked up some of those habits. He had to have. Yeah. There was no way he couldn't. I mean, he was seven, eight years old. I, I don't. I, thereabouts, I believe. Uh, you know, because uh, because Georgia was was uh, seven months pregnant with Paul, which uh, when we were baptized, and that was kind of when my life kind of changed. But uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't even remember all the stuff. I mean, probably he's the one you ought to be asking this question to, because he could tell you way better than I could. That, the things that he learned that that were not good from me, uh, you know. But but I think every every father uh, can look at things that he's done right and wrong. You know, I like to think that I did some right things. But you've asked what were the wrong things? I, I you know, I I I drank too much. I did too many drugs. I cussed too much. You know, I mean, do I need to go on? You know, uh, I mean, I mean, I I just I had a I had a world mentality. Just completely consumed with the world. Everything about the world is what I wanted. Did you know those things were wrong when you were doing Of course. Them? Man, I knew raising a five, six, seven-year-old and drinking and doing drugs in the same house wasn't, wasn't right. I mean, come on. I mean, well, I wasn't completely a complete loser. Did you want to stop? No. That was what made me the loser because I didn't care. Well, but I knew it was wrong. I knew it was not probably not a good idea. But you have to understand, you know— Guys like us that do that stuff, that's what we learn. We learned it from somebody else. And so it wasn't it wasn't out of the norm that, that we were going to do this. I, mean, I had friends come over and we did drugs and, you know, and, and that's just what we did. So then what was the impetus for change? Because, I mean, you're not that person anymore. My wife. My wife said, if you don't stop, I'm done. She said, you know, and, and then... And then it was, you know, she, we, I needed to get her baptized because she'd never been baptized in her life. I had, I, I, you know, baptized when I was a child. And I, I said, I got to get her baptized. So I started reading. But the big thing was, I'm done with this life. I don't want to do this anymore. And if you don't stop, we're done. You know, and, and I knew from the look in her eyes that, that it wasn't a joke that we were, we were this was real. She was going to leave. And, you know, she had, you hear a lot of women don't have any place to go. My wife had every place to go. My wife had her family living just down the road. She could have gone to my, they were looking for us to not make it all along. So it wouldn't have been a problem for her to come home and bring two little kids and, and be pregnant. Wouldn't have been a problem. But, you know, I said, you know, I think she's, I think she means it this time. Well, so a lot of people who are faced with that type of dilemma, though, they, they have all sorts of options to turn to. You oh, yeah, can turn absolutely. to AA, you could turn to, you know, meditation, you could turn to Eastern religions. What made you turn to scripture? What made you look towards the Bible? Uh, probably the one good thing that, that, that my family did teach me. I mean, you know, we were of the denominational world and, and we did go to church all the time. And so I had that, that ingrained in me for, from an early age. All of my family was, was of this denominational group. And, uh, and so I knew that. And I guess that was, you know, I mean, I realized that I wasn't, good, I wasn't big enough to stop this. This was a runaway locomotive. It was not going to go. I mean, I was going to go to jail. So then a couple of things. So your wife confronted you with the bad things that you were doing, the mm-hmm. things that you knew no, were bad. That we were doing that, okay, we she were, wasn't doing all the stuff I was doing. Right. But she's, she confronted you about the, the, the lifestyle mm-hmm. that you had been living. Both of you had been living to some extent. And yeah, she I think said, what it was more, Cole, I think, I think there was chaos in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think we all knew what the chaos was. And she said, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't do that. I'm not going to do this anymore. 
I, I'm not going to do the. I'm not going to do the, the 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 runaway train wreck. You know, you see some people have train wrecks and the and the trains off the track. Right. And some people have train wrecks and the keep train keeps rolling. And this was a train wreck that was still rolling down the track, and it wasn't going. It was going towards another train. What made it so clear to you that you couldn't stop it? I think that's where I was going. I'm I'm going towards this point that says. What made you What made you realize, first of all, because for you to turn to Scripture, you would have had to realize that you couldn't fix this on your own. So what was it about the situation that made you realize you couldn't fix it? I don't really remember. I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't really remember what it was that, that I realized. I mean, uh, it, was, it was not, I didn't try a whole bunch of stuff. It's just what I did. I don't know what it was for sure that turned me, uh, that said I'm going to start. I, I know, I know it was... Well, I'm going to fix my wife, and then everything's going to be better. Mm. You know, if I get my wife baptized, everything will be better. And then my father-in-law got involved, and knowing my father-in-law, and he he was very, he was, you know, just a different kind of breed of cat, man. And he, and uh, he said, I don't know what the heck you're worried about her for. Why don't you worry about yourself? And I'm going, man, I'm okay. I'm good, man. No, you're not. He said, "You and I both know that that that, that you don't have a spiritual. You're not walking spiritually. You know that." Oh. And I'm going, "Yeah, I am." No, you're not there. So that's what it was. It that kind of, yeah, I guess it was. I mean, because he confronted me and he said, "I don't know what you're trying to get her baptized for. Why don't you worry about yourself?" And I'm going, "Well, I was already baptized." And he said, "Have you read the scripture? Have you really?" He didn't know it either, but he knew enough to know that that. And and I, if I say I don't want to, I don't want to step on anybody. You know. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I was. I've been taught a certain way in my life, and and it wasn't according to the way that Scripture right. says. Well, wait, and but I need lots of, we live in a society. That's why we're doing this class. We live in a society that takes Christendom for granted yeah. and just says, "Oh, look, I'm a Christian because I did because this, I go to church every Sunday because I go to church every Sunday." You know, the the mis the vast misunderstanding in the Old Testament, especially, is used to to cudgel people and to lead people off. That's why we're doing these classes. So for for me though, it really clarifies the situation. It wasn't so much I'm going to turn to Scripture because I know here are the answers, which wouldn't make sense because you were out in the world, so you mm-hmm. wouldn't know necessarily the Scriptures had the answers. No. But you were challenged, you know. You you thought the problem is I need to fix her, and I to fix her I need to do what I need to to go back and see what this says because you were challenged. Well, it wasn't at first, right? Okay, at first I'm I'm looking, trying calling people, and I'm calling different places to get her baptized, and they won't help me. And 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 that and that, yeah, I'm mad. Right, because that's mad. the problem. Yeah, I'm now I'm mad because they won't help me. And, then, and I called a lot of different kind of churches, not just not, and they really wouldn't help me. They didn't want to be involved. They didn't want. They didn't want to mess with the problem. Right. And I'm going, what? Well, that's that's an, that's an inc- that's incredibly interesting. So it's very interesting to see how God used your pride and used your arrogance to bring you back to this. And as you started examining the text, it was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and of course, then God got involved, and you know, I started praying. I started praying different kind of prayers, and God got involved, and 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 then the rest of kind of history. You know, so you start. So that's that's very interesting, and that's what we're really going to see in the text. We're yes. going to see a dilemma yeah. here where you know Isaac. And Rebecca sit here and go. There's a problem here, and we need we need the father's intervention. Yeah. And so if we we're picking up in Genesis chapter 25, looking at verse 22, and and really in this text, you know, we're gonna see, uh, especially as we go, we're gonna see some really good habits. Yeah, that Isaac absolutely. picks up from his dad. Well, and I think I think most parents, 
I think there there are good and bad habits. You know, I I taught I think I taught my family work ethic. You know, I mean that you know they all have all three have a of a, a great work ethic. They work. You know, they've never they've never been without jobs. You know that kind of thing. They've never been. They've always worked hard. You know, any one of the three, if you if you give them something that they do well, they work hard at it. You know, so I think I, I and that was kind of what was instilled in me. You know, of course, you talked about the bad stuff. You know, right? Well, yeah. But there was there was also good stuff. I did. They may not have thought about the it at the time. I mean, you know, I mean, when you're when you're the tyrant that I was, because I was a tyrant, uh, and I and I and I was I lorded it over them with a club in a sense. Uh, to make them do, but in, in in reality, what it was doing was teaching them, and they didn't rebel from it. Thank God they didn't. They could have easily, but they didn't, and so it made them. I think it made them the men that they are. Sure. I mean, I'm not taking credit for that by any no, stretch. I understand. I you understand, understand what you're but, saying, but. Uh, because they've done that on their own. Well, and we're going to see that. We're going to see in this story, and in, in a couple of these stories, we're going to look at. Um, we're going to see that Isaac was taught good things from mm-hmm, his father. Mm-hmm. He was taught bad things mm-hmm. from his father regardless, mm-hmm. God is faithful and shows up. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to see Absolutely. in this text. So let's let's get into it. We're in Genesis 25. We're going to be look, starting at verse 22. If you remember from last week, what we looked at is we looked at, uh, you know, Abraham exited the account. Um, we went through a couple of generations, right? And then we're now we're talking about Isaac, uh, Abraham's son. And Rebecca, his and wife. And Rebecca, his mm-hmm. wife, right? So um, we're picking up. I'm, I'm going to actually, uh, yeah, 22. The babies jostled the other uh, each other within her, and she said, "Why is this happening to me?" So she went to inquire of the Lord. So I think that's significant. It's it's huge. It is yeah. huge. And we talked we talked about it in the last class. We talked about how important it is to come to God. And, and right? I think something else too. I think I think you know for for uh, for this guy to have a faithful wife. Oh man, who has a problem in her life, and she uh, and she says, "We need to go talk to God about this because something's wrong." Something's wrong here. That's what it said. It said, why is this happening to me? Because there's a turmoil going on inside of her. You know, she's got twins inside of her, and, it, and, it's, and so she says, I'm going to go to God. You know, well, and, I, and, I, and, and my wife, my wife uh, the other day, and I know my wife's a spiritual spirit. I know she, she, does, she doesn't talk it, but the other day she made a comment, and, and I don't remember what the comment was, but I knew she said, you know, I just, I've just been praying about it, and I'm going, she doesn't talk like that most of the time. But I know from how my wife lives her life, she's a spiritual woman in her way, the way she is. Uh, your wife's different. Anne's different. You know, they're all, we're all different, but we're all spiritual. And, you know, and that's, what, that's what is necessary in a, in a home where, or when, in friendship. I need to know that you're a spiritual individual. Right. You know, if I'm going to talk to you about certain things, I need to know that you have a yeah. spiritual t- slant to it, and that, and I think that's missing in a lot of relationships today. Well, and we absolutely, absolutely see the affirmation there because you know it is the text itself, the narrative itself is leading us to this conclusion yes. because mm-hmm. the name that is used for the Lord is that capital L, little capital R, or oh, little capital R, little capital D. So that tells us that the name that is invoked here is Yahweh, mm-hmm. right? Or some people would say Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the covenant name of the God of Israel. Yes. Remember, Moses is writing these things to the Israelites who are wandering in the desert. Yeah. You know, they've heard these stories over and over. And so this is to tell them that she is going to him in his covenant capacity because this has to do with 
promises. This has to do with covenants. Mm -hmm. If God is going to fulfill what he promised to Abraham to bless all nations through his seed. And that he's already told Isaac. That's right. And he's going to tell one of these twins as well. Yeah, I think he tells him in just a little bit. But yes, you know, the promises that he is going to confirm upon Isaac, Mm -hmm. the promises, this is Rebecca going to him in that capacity. And so notice again in verse 23, the Lord said, so this is again, Yahweh or Jehovah said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Now, very important about this prophecy that God speaks here. This is not in reference to the two individuals no, no. within yeah. Rebecca. No, it's not. That's 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 not that's not who this uh this is talking about. These he is using, the father is using these two individuals to point out who they will become in their nations. This is a very Far, this is far, about two nations. This is about two nations. Not two two boys. Absolutely. And notice even the father says this. Two nations are in your womb. So this tips us off that and, he's and not... Then he says, and two peoples from in you will be separated. And so it's important to remember this because later in the text, the father will say things like, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Okay? That's not in reference to these two people. It's in reference to the nations that would come forward and where God decided to move the promise to. He didn't give it to Esau. He gave it to Jacob. That's right. And so even here, think about it for a second. If For those of you who are well-versed in the text and who know Genesis, when Jacob comes back from Paddan Aram, who bows down to whom? Yeah. Jacob bowed out, bows down to Esau. That's right. Calls him Lord, calls him master. Mm-hmm. So... Is God talking about the physical Jacob and Esau? No, he's not talking about those people. He's talking about the nations that they would come to represent. Yeah. And they do. He's talking about the Edomites. Yes. And he's talking about the Israelites. And we see in the in the future that that is exactly what happens. God favors the Israelites because he wants to bring the promise well, through them. Well, because and because the Edomites are a wicked not initially, they're not. Not initially, but they become godless and wicked. Sure, they down do. The road. And when they do, he uses Israel to punish them. That's exactly and, right. And now we're he talking does. about Samuel and Kings, the yes. books of Samuel and Kings under David. Mm-hmm. But the important thing to remember as well is what comes around goes around. And when yeah. the Israelites while, become while wicked. Esau is there, they're still a godly people. Yes. Yeah. But when the Israelites turn wicked, God uses the Edomites to yeah. run, rough, <laughs> run rough rod over them. So God, th- yes, this is does. this is touching on a lot of themes, guys, and we're going to get into this stuff as we go. This is the law and the prophets, so we're going to end up talking about yep. this stuff. But what we need to understand specifically in this text is sometimes God uses individuals as representations of the nations of that the they nation, will become. They, yeah. Okay. So when the time came, this is continuing Genesis chapter 25 and verse 24. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So again, we see the significance kind of of these names. Esau is a name that is representative of this child, and Jacob actually means supplanter, mm-hmm. which that's probably a not a fun name to have well, to grow uh, up explain with. Explain to him what it means. What well, it means, means it's like the guy who pushes off the, the king in King of the Hill. 
Mm-hmm. That's supplanting. I've come up. I pushed the guy off the top of the hill. Now I'm king of the hill, mm-hmm. right? It's a child's game that is played. That's that's essentially what it is. So I have supplanted that person that was that was in charge and was on the hill, and now I'm it. And it make any difference how you got there? He's not worried about how he got no, there. No. And that's and that's really one of the cool things about Jacob, you know, and Isaac and all of these people is that they are flawed. And if you know, we talked about that before. Yeah, and and God works and is faithful despite their flaws and see and that's one it's like the book of judges you know what i call the book of judges Mm. the book of the faithful okay it's the book of the faithful israel isn't israel's never faithful but god is (laughs) well that was i'm going how in the world you call the book of judges because god is faithful because god's faithful god is always faithful he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do and and the book of judges proves that yes it does it does Proves yeah. it that God and is... And it's going to be fun because we're going to get there at some point. Some one point. day one, one day we'll get there. Ten years from now. Ten years from now we may get there. <laughs> the rate we're going. Um, but it, it's it's so important to remember that God is always faithful. That he's going to come through on what he promises and what he says, even when his servants don't act the way they should. And we're going to see that. So let's keep going. So the first came out when it was red. Jacob came out. Isaac was 60 years old. Verse 27. The boys grew up. I, I, almost, I ain't never seen a red baby. You ever seen baby. a hairy baby? Yes. I mean, a really hairy baby. Yes. I, I, I've never seen a red hairy baby. This this must have been a sight to behold. Now, uh, I'm not saying he was ugly. I'm just saying it must have been something. You have one that's that's red and hairy, and the other one that's not. And these are supposed to be twins. Yes. So that's interesting. That's I hadn't thought about that. But God yeah, that, separated them already. The the narrative. Yes. In the text, we're seeing how how the narrative is making these these even though they're twins, there is this difference. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that symbolism. Well, I mean, before. God's already separated them. Right. In the way they look. Yeah. They don't look alike. That's interesting. I mean, twins. You you think well, they are they identical look, twins? Right. They should look similar anyway. At least you could from the back you may mistake them. You know, but these two don't look anything alike. Well, and it's possible to have that with twins. That does occur. Like you can have twins I, I with boy and girl. I understand that, but but they even they they have some similarities. Right. They look a little bit alike. I mean, you don't have one that 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 looks one way and another one looks. But this the other. does seem like a vast difference. Yeah, and I'm wondering how in the world did that. What God's already said. Hey, I've got two two nations growing up inside of you. So He doesn't just speak the prophecy he foreshadows a little bit even in yeah. their names even and what they even look in the like. names and even in the even in, in when he put he because he put these boys there that's right and so he's already separating them from the womb you know i'm not gonna man i almost got into something here i didn't want to get into you know i mean when you start talking about taking lives of babies you know you ought to look at a text like this and say does god know us our children you know when we when they're in absolutely he does. Well, look, I mean it's it, it look I, I I don't mind and I'm gonna touch I'm not gonna touch on it. I'm just gonna flat out say it. Abortion is sin. Okay. If you commit abortion, it's murder. That's what you're doing. And 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 church, if somebody comes to you and says, well, Jesus never taught. Jesus didn't have to talk about it specifically because the Jews understood this. Yeah, he was talking did. to Jews. He didn't have to convince the Jews that killing babies was murder. They were already well aware of that. And if you don't believe me, go look at Exodus chapter 1. Yeah. Okay? The midwives, when they're sitting there killing these babies, they're fully aware. Okay? And I, I've got I've taught a couple of classes. I've, I've spoken yes, on this have. topic quite a bit. That chapter is not talking about in, uh, killing babies after they're born. It's talking about killing babies in the womb. The ancient Egyptian culture absolutely practiced abortion, and it was abhorrent to the Israelites. It was wrong. And it's it was wrong then, and well, it's wrong and thousands of, of years because later. Because of texts like this where it's obvious that God has already put them there. There's, God knows them. There's no question. Even within the law of Moses, the covenant that is given at Sinai, there are stipulations to protect pregnant females. The argument 
that Christianity is somehow supposed to be okay with abortion or it's somehow not sin is ridiculous on its face. Further, the early church within the— Well, the, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. And and the early church within within the second century, so we're talking about 150 to 180, 180s, so we're talking about 50 years— after the apostles were teaching, there were multiple texts out there written in Greek. I'm thinking about the Epistle of Barnabas specifically that that very strongly condemned Christians practicing abortion as sin. That was sinful. It was sinful then. It's sinful now. Abortion is murder. It's really that simple. There's not a conversation to be had here, church. And if you feel differently, you need to call us. Yeah. We need to talk about it. Church, it is, it is not okay. Our society and culture wants to wrap this up in, in some type of right to choose. Uh, it's it's abhorrent. It's always been abhorrent throughout Scripture. That practice has been abhorrent and condemned. And so, and so let's talk about it. I'm not interested in berating you. I'm not interested in attacking you. But let's come back to the text and see what our Father has to say about this subject. Um, and so, sorry, I— I, I didn't I, mean to, but no, it's, it's, that, it's that okay. needs to be said. And it's okay. we're, what we're not going to do is we're not going to say that sin is not sin. That is not acceptable. We are called as the church and as Christians to walk with Jesus, to live a holy life. That doesn't mean perfection. And we've talked about this a bit. As Absolutely. we walk in the light, as Christ is in the light, right? as we walk in the light, as he's in the light, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. So obviously walking in the light, the measure is not perfection. And we've talked about this, but we are still called to walk. So if you've made a mistake, if you've messed up, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's let's repent. Let's talk and let's move forward and serve our Father. And and come to the one who has mercy. That's it's right. Full of mercy and grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, and our society is really good at, at at selling lies. So if you've fallen victim to that, let's talk. I can only imagine the emotional scarring there. I can only We've imagine. We've dealt with it lots of times, haven't we? Yeah. All right. So. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter. This is Genesis chapter 25, verse 27. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay ho stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Oh, my. First, first big mistake, I would say, that we're going we're gonna to see others as well. Um, you know, favoritism isn't okay. No. Fa no. Favoritism isn't okay. No. And, and where did he learn this from? You know, you learned it from I, Abraham. I, I, I warn people with three children all the time. Be very careful. It's really easy to, to throw the second child, the middle child, under the bus. It's really easy to do. Don't do it intentionally, but it happens. And and I watch middle children in families get uh, get shortchanged sometimes. And uh, we did it. And uh, and my son suffered for it because of what we did and didn't do it intentionally but it's just what happened i didn't know any of that at the time i know it now and that's why i warn families be careful i think i've warned you about it yeah you know i've warned i've warned my son about it paul my youngest son be careful you know you may see me going to the middle child sometimes and and talking to them when i may not talk to the other ones because i want to make sure they know that there's somebody out there that values that they're alive you know, and that, and it's just, you know, here where you see favoritism and you see a father and a mother, you know, gravitating to a different child. You know, why did, why did Isaac gravitate to Esau? Well, maybe Isaac is, is, has the same hunter mentality. Maybe he has the same go get them, you know, kill my food, you know, and that kind of, maybe he's got that attitude. And maybe, maybe this Jacob, 
he's a lo- he's a stay-at-home loner. He stays at home, plays his video games, and you know he doesn't worry about he. Doesn't, yeah, I'm gonna let Esau go do for me. I, I, I'll 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 figure out a way to lie to him and deceive him and and uh, undermine him and, until I get what I want. And and Isaac sees that and says, you know, you know, I mean, a, an athletic parent may gravitate to the athletic child. Sure. You know, and that and that's I'm gonna say it's good, but it's normal. Right. It happens sometimes. So, guys, if you're watching and this, and this happened in your family or it's happened to you, understand there are people out here, we know about this. We, we understand how that works and, and, and how difficult it can be in a family. When you're a parent, you've done it. Or when you're a child and you've had it done to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, fortunately I was, I was uh, a, a, just one of two. And, and, but, you know, in our family, Mark was the first and he was doted on. And and I won't say spoiled. I don't think he was spoiled, but he was doted on, and and uh, because he was the first grandchild of the whole family, the whole family had a grandchild. That was he was it. And then Kevin came along, and then just a, a year or so later, Paul comes along, and now he's the baby. Now we got an older one who's been doted on, and a younger one. What happened to Kevin? What happens to him? He got left out a lot of times, not in things we did, but left out here in our minds. Right. And uh, and I see I see it when I saw as soon as I read that I thought of Kevin. As soon as I saw it, I said, you know, that here's here's us doing that to Kevin. You know, showing favoritism to one or the other. And, you know, when when Paul was playing football, Mark was gone already, but when, when Paul was playing football, well, what do you think I was doing? Man, we were at every game, went to every practice. Where was Kevin? Running with the wrong crowd. Running with people he shouldn't have been running with. Why do you think he was doing that? Try to get attention. Well, right. and the impact and the impact that favoritism has. That's very. That's a very good point. So, so what happens when the favoritism splits up the family like that? And so, and, and let's see, and let's see for a second here. And you know, he learned this from Abraham mm-hmm. too. Isaac learned this from Abraham. Yes, he did. What happened yep. to Ishmael? Mm-hmm. Now we know that he hurt over doing that to Ishmael. But what do you think Isaac saw? Yeah. Was Isaac included in all of that kind of mental dialogue? Because it was a drama. It was. It was a big drama. There was a big drama. His Ishmael has a different mother than Isaac. I mean, than than the other child has, and and than Isaac has, and and so now there's conflict in the home. There's That's conflict right. between the two women. That's right. You know, you know, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. You put multiple women, multiple mothers in a home. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be conflict. You know, it's normal. That they. That's why the why the kings told don't take them to yourself numerous wives. Why? And don't take wives from the foreign country. Hmm. Solomon did both. Yeah, um, he did do both. So, so yeah, this, and th- we're going to see the impact, I think. I think we're going to see the impact here on, on the family, right? So look at what happens here. So Isaac has a taste for wild game and loves Esau. Rebecca loved Jacob. Now, verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. So the Edom is going to stick around a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. I want to ask you something. Why is, how, how does this come up? Why would I? I mean, why would Jacob say, "Okay, I'll give you some stew, but I want you to sell me your birthright"? 
Where'd that come from? Well, and it's it's not the first time that it's going to come up. No, and I know it, that. It, it, well, it's not, excuse me. It is the first time that it kind of comes up, but it won't be the last time it comes up. Specifically with Jacob's children, when he's pronouncing, uh, there's there's multiple references to it in the account. But Reuben, is, it's constantly noted that Reuben went up to his father's couch. So there's always a reason why it God didn't choose a firstborn, right? And that's that's essentially what we have here. Why didn't... God choose Esau or Jacob, right? Why did he choose Jacob over Esau? Why did he choose uh, not Reuben, but Judah? Why did he do those things? Paul will say that it was his choice, right? That it's it's always been his God's mm-hmm, choice, mm-hmm. and it has it doesn't really have a lot to do with the individuals. Um, I think when it comes to who the patriarchs look to to give things, I think it does factor in a little bit. I think Jacob, it even says in the text in Genesis later on, that Jacob will choose Judah and will give actually the double portion specifically to Joseph because Reuben did what he did. My question is, how long has Jacob been thinking about this? Then he take, gets the this opportunity. Esau comes in and says, I want some of that stew. Give me some of that stew. Okay. He didn't just come to mind. He's been planning this for a while. I Absolutely. And I think that he's living up to that supplanter name. I think further that we're seeing effects of favoritism here. You know, Isaac is is loves Esau. And so what happens to to the, the boy that has all of his father's attention and loves everything? What better and, way to get back at his father? Well, for Jacob, but think about it from Esau's perspective. How often have you had it? I mean, I, I know in, in my case, right, you give everything to your children. You want them to have a better life than you had. And you do all of these things for your children, and then they grow up to despise you. Mm-hmm. And they despise the things that you give them. You know, and you're like, what? They're upset and angry and hate you. And you're like, all I've done is given you a better life. I don't understand. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that happens very commonly with children. Yeah. Because instead of maybe keeping that discipline or whatever, we've given them everything we think they want. And then they despise it. And I think that's what we see with Esau. He's been given everything. He has his father's attention. He has his father's hand and everything. He knows his father loves well, his him. His father and him are like-minded because right. he says they both have, they're both of them hunters. So when it comes to something like his birthright, he thinks nothing of it. He despises it. And he's well, willing to he give Well, does he really believe that his father's going to actually not give him his birthright? And maybe that's what this has to do with. Maybe that's, maybe that's exactly what his thinking is. I mean, he sells it to him, but Jacob still has to steal it. This is true. Yeah. He still has to steal it. Well, he steals. He ends up stealing the blessing. Yeah. So, well, in a sense, isn't that yes. what he's doing? Stealing the birthright? Well, and then, but does he really get it? Well. He flees and he goes and he lives in Padanaram. I understand that. Labor. I understand that. But, so, but he still, this is still a conniving, he's absolutely, sneaking. And this is the other side of showing favoritism. What happens to the kid that you don't show favoritism <laughs> to? How does he act? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Doesn't this, isn't this exactly how they This how is they a really up? parallel of society today. It really is. It really is. You know, oh, I'm going to dote on this one, and this one's going to turn around in my doting and despise me for doting, and then the other one is going to despise me for— I would like to really live in that house, see what it was like. Oh, well, I don't think you need to. I think you lived through a version of it yourself. I You've think, already I talked think a lot of us it. have. I and, I, and I think, yes, it's absolutely—I know I can—I wasn't one of the parents in this situation, but I was one of the kids for certain. Mm-hmm. I, I can certainly see Jacob, me mm-hmm. doing what Jacob was doing here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I, think, I think my older brother acted—I uh, can see some of Esau's actions that kind of despise in my own life, for sure. I can see it in, in some of my, my siblings' lives and stuff like that. I think all of us can probably identify with these characters here. That's part of the reason this story is told. So we can kind of see how this happens, so we can identify think, with the characters. I think it helps us 
it helps us by looking. I, I like the question at, at earlier because it really helps us to understand that that no matter how good you try to be, I mean, you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to do the wrong thing. And, and we can learn from these texts and learn and say, okay, I need to not do this because this is the bad that can happen. Maybe what we need to learn here is even when God directly is intervening in our lives, we're still broken people and yeah, we, we need yeah, him. That's true. That's absolutely Because that's what this communicates to me. Abraham was called by name out of Ur the Chaldeans. He still struggled. Mm-hmm. He still struggled in following God. God talked to him on multiple occasions. The creator of the entire universe comes down and has a chat with me, an ant. And, I, you know, how many people have said, well, if only God would talk to me, then I'd get better. Mm-hmm. Well, it, God talked to Abraham and he still struggled, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's what this this text, partly, partly this text demonstrates that, is our our ability to train wreck things even when God is involved. <laughs> I think that's good. I think that's a good analogy. Our ability to train wreck stuff. Because we you know, do we do that really well. And this is this is with people that God is directly talking to. Well, if people that God are is directly interacting with, directly promising things to, directly talking with, right? God is coming down and telling these people, I got your back. And they still have these problems. Any of you look at these two guys and say, Well, I'm not like that guy. And if God can love that guy, and if God can work with that guy, then he surely can work with me because you're looking at saying, man, I don't do any of that stuff. I was a pretty good kid. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And so it kind of gives us hope. Yeah. In a sense, it gives us hope. I do want to clarify something. You know, Paul in Romans makes it very clear that God chose the people he chose because it was his choice. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound like, I want, to, I want to clarify something I said earlier. I don't want to make it sound like God chose this person because of this thing or didn't choose this person because of this thing. Jacob is as much of a of, of a problem here as Esau is. Esau mm-hmm. despises his birthright. Jacob is trying to steal it. Mm-hmm. So neither of these guys are good guys. Yeah. That's that's really what this text is They're both flawed. They're both flawed individuals. Mm-hmm. Now, God is going to make a choice. And Paul, what Paul says in Romans is, and who is the potter to the to who is the potter or the clay supposed to say to the potter, why this or why that? And so it was God's choice to bring Christ through Jacob. That doesn't mean that Edom or Esau didn't have wasn't faithful. It doesn't mean earlier what, with how we see Ishmael. It doesn't mean that Ishmael wasn't faithful. That's not what this text is communicating. And to go that route with it, oh well, God foreordained Jacob and did not foreordain Unless Esau. Unless God tells you they weren't faithful, we don't you know. You don't know. We really don't know. The point of Scripture is that Christ is come is going to come through a line. Remember Genesis chapter three fifteen. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. The point of this text isn't to tell us whether Esau was faithful or not, or whether you know uh, Ishmael and his people were faithful or not. Yeah. Why God? Why God chooses this line? He is going to choose this line. And there is our church, and understand there is archaeological evidence too that does suggest that there were other worshippers of Yahweh during the time of Israel. There were other worshipers, and it doesn't surprise me. How many sons did Abraham have mm-hmm. that he sent away to the east? Yeah. How many, you know, how Ishmael was just one of them. He had, had Keturah. And what, he didn't Keturah teach, was another. He was, didn't teach any of his children about God? No, he taught them all. Yeah, I, I, I don't buy it. So understand, church, that what we're seeing here in the scriptures is Christ coming through this specific line. It isn't condemnation on anybody else. No. And, and, it's, and it's to get Christ here so that all nations could be blessed. Which, which is which is the promise he's going to give to this kid as well. He's about to give that promise to this yep. kid, but it's so important, church, to understand that God is in the business of saving people. Mm-hmm. There is a judgment coming. When Christ comes again, it'll be for judgment and for the last time. But Christ Himself says, "I came to save." Yes, right. That's what I've come right. to do, and so that is what God is working towards, mm-hmm. even here. 
even with these flawed people. Um, so then we get into Genesis chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. Now, look, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've already taught this. A class. lot. If you if you want to watch this class again, go to Genesis chapter 12 because it's a play-by-play. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just Seriously, his daddy. Go, it's, it's his daddy instead of him. Pause the video. Go back and look at our class. Or just go open your Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Pause the video. Read Genesis chapter 12. Then come read Genesis chapter 26. It is the almost the exact same thing. Listen. Same guys. Well, we think. It's the same names. Oh, it's... it's Abimelech is the same. It may be the different guy, but... So, yeah. So let's, but, let's read it real quick. Verse, tw- uh, verse 1, chapter 26. Now there's a famine in the land. Genesis chapter 12, there's a famine in the land. Besides previous, the, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. Oh, there it goes. See, it's talking yep, about it. Yeah, it's already started. Just in case you miss, you're missing the parallel, the scriptures point it out. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Same Boom. guy. I mean, same, same co- group of people. Same group of people that Abraham same. had the problem with the second time. Yeah. Do not go down to Egypt. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now, a couple of things I want to point out. This is the exact same promise that he swore. Go read chapter 12. Go read Genesis chapter 12. Yep. This is a very similar type situation. There's a famine in the land. Except this time, instead of going down to Egypt and dealing with Pharaoh, we're going to be dealing with the kingdom of the Philistines in Gerar with Abimelech. So very similar characters. But I want to, I want to point this out very quickly in verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed me, I, I thought it was because he was faithful. I thought Abraham was righteous because he believed God. This says it's because he obeyed him. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? You know, he, he was he was obedient to God in his life. I don't the know answer you, I, is, there's not. Well, There's not a difference between being faithful and being obedient. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. I see where you're going with it. Okay. There's, there's, right. there's not a difference here. Abraham was faithful. He believed God, and it was credited to him. We talked about that. We talked about in in Galatians. Did we go to Galatians and talk about that? Isn't that what uh, it was? We've, pro- we've probably done that. A you know of where, times. where we talked about him being faithful, and it didn't look like he was faithful to God. No, we went to Romans for that. That's right. So we went to Romans, and where Paul says in Romans uh, that Abraham, I believe it's in chapter four, where he says that uh, Abraham never doubted, and so that's not to tell us that Abraham didn't doubt. It tells us that God doesn't look at doubt the same way. Okay, that's right. That's, we look at we, we look did. at yep. Abraham's actions yep. and his and him lifting up Ishmael and saying, you know, will the promise come through Ishmael rather than Isaac? You know, may Ishmael live before you. That he didn't really believe God. That he didn't really believe God. Mm-hmm. We as as people, we look at that and say Abraham doubted, but it's comforting to know that that's not how God sees it. God doesn't see um, when God enters into our lives. He no longer sees us as failures. He sees us as growing. He sees us as what he intends us to be. He sees what he's making in us. And we see that in Abraham. That is truly, truly a comforting thought. I mean, it's it's huge. Because I many, look in the mirror and you know what I see? A doubter, I'm I sure. I see a failure. A failure, yeah. Many I, times, many times. You know, I make, a, I make a mistake. Do something I know is wrong, I shouldn't do it, and I do it anyway. I look in the mirror and I say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. You should know by now not to do this. 
you should know the same outcome is going to happen every single time. You know, it's insanity to think I'm going to keep doing the same thing. It's going to turn out different. Yeah. It, why would it turn out different? You know, and so I look at myself like a failure sometimes. And I know there are people watching. They, they maybe right now, they feel like failures because they can't seem to get their act together. Can't seem to get, you know, this duck in a row with this duck in a row with this duck. And they, and, and they look around and say, you know, everybody else is getting it. No, they're not. No, that, they just look like they are. They're not. They're hiding it better than you are. You know, and it and and for me to know that that God looks at me as, as to seeing what He's making, what He's creating, not what I'm seeing, because I'm seeing it different than He is. Yeah. That's that's very comforting for me. And so, you know, understanding that obedience and faith go hand in hand. You know, this isn't talking or asking for perfection on our part, mm-hmm. but God does expect us to obey Him and to do the things He's asked to do. Mm-hmm. He's asked us to put Him first. But He, but He also says in the text that we talked about before, in in First John chapter one, He says in verse eight. You know, He says in verse six. He says, He says, if you walk in the light, as I'm in the light, and have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all sin. And the next verse says, and if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and, and the, the truth's truth not in you. Absolutely. So he tells you right there, I know you're a sinner. I know you're going to still sin. I understand that. I'm cleaning you and making you perfect through my perspective, not yours. But I have to be obedient because that's what the first verses say. It says, as long as I walk in the light. Walking in the light means I'm being obedient. Sure. You know, and have fellowship with other people. I can't have fellowship. I'm going to tell you, where I lived before, you and I don't have fellowship. We just finished a men's breakfast, okay, and John L. did a marvelous job of talking about our connection together with his connection to Vincent in, in, in their Vietnam experience. You know, and if you if you were there, I mean, you were there, and you and you saw John breaking up. Okay, he was his voice was quivering because there's things that happened to him that only Vincent will know, only Vincent can connect to. You know, and when I when I was not a Christian, you and I do not fellowship. That we don't. You and I may have interaction, yeah. but it's not going to be good. Yeah. At all. And so, you know, so I look at you and I say, man, I need I need someone like you that I can that I know is faithful, I know is striving, so I can have fellowship with people who are walking in the light. I looked around that room this morning, there was 20, 20 men there, eight children. There was no, there was there was 19 men eight children and four ladies that were there that were that were in the kitchen. Well, and what yeah. does it mean to walk obediently? Yeah. Right? I think that's I think that's a big question for a lot of people because it's like, well, how do I if you, okay, you're telling me to be obedient, but then I've still got sin. So isn't that disobedience? And so I think that's a lot of times how the do, way we what, look at it. You're, you're telling me I, that I have to walk obediently. Mm-hmm. I have to live a life of obedience mm-hmm. to God, but then I sin, which is disobedience. So how does this work? And so there is a vast difference between struggling against sin and failing sometimes. I think if you're trying to do this on your own, it's impossible. Well, yes. All right. But, but that's what is why, that? That's why what I was saying this morning, I look around that room and I know that I am not alone. And any one of those guys on any given day can help me to walk through this fire that I've got to walk through. Of course. And, but the the, what is that walk? What does it mean when we say you have to live obediently? Mm-hmm. You have to do this. You have to actually live a faithful life. And we're saying that faithfulness is synonymous with obedience. Obedience. That it that those two things are not opposed well, to each other. That's what faith is. 
It's right. It's, it's living a belief obedient. that cause you to obey. But what does it mean to live obedient? Okay. Uh, and so, and and so, I, I think I think for me, it's not living like I did before, for sure. All right, not not walking that way. How about this? A life characterized by loving the Lord your God with you all your go. heart, with all your soul, mm-hmm. with all your mind, and with mm-hmm. all your strength. That means I'm going to put him first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start putting off the way I used to look at things and put on the glasses that God has given me so I can clearly see the world. And I'm going to start putting him first in my life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, That's and mind. That's what Abraham did. The second mm-hmm. is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that means I'm going to start putting my neighbor's because God created them and he loves them and he's yeah. calling them. I'm yeah. going to put them up as well. Yeah. Now, does that mean that I'm still going to sin sometimes? Sure it does. You're still a sinner, as John will say. If you say that there's no sin, you're a liar and the truth is, if you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. However, there is a vast difference between walking in the light and walking in darkness. There's a difference between yeah. struggling yeah. against sin and relying on Christ and his blood to cleanse us and to and to move us right towards a a more perfect life to become more and more like Jesus. There's a difference between that and saying, "Well, I can't stop. I'm never gonna stop. There's yeah. no one that can fix me. So and I'm just gonna continue to live both. in this." And we've dealt with both. So when we mean being obedient, mm-hmm. what we're talking about is loving God and loving your neighbor. It means following in Jesus's footsteps, yep. living a life that glorifies God. Yeah, getting, relying on them. And becoming better at putting off sin, Absolutely. and it's it's really important that we clarify this. And I think, and I think that uh, that you're going to see you're still going to see some of the flaws in in Jacob, and Isaac, and these guys, and and Isaac especially because he's going to deal with the Bimelech. If you chap, look at chapter twelve, he's going to make the same mistakes his father did. And we're we're going to see that next week. We'll we'll breeze through that pretty quickly. We're going to see Isaac fail. Yeah. We're going to see some of the bad habits. I want to say fa- he did fail, but we're going to see some of the bad habits that he picked up from Abraham, yeah. and he's yeah. going to sin in just the way Abraham did. Yeah. Um, and so that brings us then we're supposed to understand at that point that that isn't the child we were waiting for. Yeah. You know, we're wait- so waiting. So that's what we've been else. asking. So maybe it's Jacob, but Jacob doesn't appear to be that child either. Yeah. So what? A, so yeah. that's. Yeah. Leading us further into the narrative. Yeah. All right. Good class. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't get as far as I wanted to get. I'd like to get into that, but hey, we'll get to it next week. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, uh, for blessing us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to, uh, to study this class with our audience. We pray, Father, for each one of them. I pray that, again, if, uh, if there's one there that has issues or struggles, I pray, Father, that, uh, that something we may have said may have helped. And, and if, they, uh, if they need more clarification, that they will contact us. Father, please inspire them to do that. Bless us as we, as we move forward through these, through these texts. Help us to learn the things that you want us to learn. And thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.